welcome to the Fan Engagement Chat, the episode of the Fan Engagement Pod where we speak with someone about their approach to fan engagement. This week we're stepping back into the sport of rugby league in a chat with fan activist and Bradford Bulls fan Andrew Foster. Andrew is a keen student and lover of the game and has for some time been very concerned about the near permanent state of change and crisis that things appear to be in. In the interest of transparency, Andrew is someone whose advice I've taken as I've navigated through unfamiliar territory in the sport, as I have with several other knowledgeable people. Think Fun Engagement carried out an extensive survey in the summer of this year about the state of fan engagement in the sport and it's fair to say that the picture painted by fans wasn't a rosy one. There's certainly a lack of listening both from a lot of clubs and also the governing body, the RFL in particular. Check out the website for more, that's fanengagement.net. This episode we grapple with the issues which are many and talk about how fans might become part of the solution, particularly if they become more organised. You can find out more about our work at fanengagement.net, register for free, get access to the Fan Engagement Hub with detailed data and case studies from the 2018-19 and 2019-20 Fan Engagement Indexes for English Men's Professional Football. Please like, subscribe and share, it really does help our visibility in a crowded podcast world. Enjoy the episode. Okay, so Andrew, um, I, th- I think it's fair to say that um, that you're an activist. I think, um, in as, as a rugby league fan, I think yeah. it's um, it's a word that scares people in football. Um, so, given um, the state of affairs in rugby league, which is, um, you know, uh, as a result of, uh, from my experience, from my knowledge of it, obviously the the, the survey that Think Fan Engagement did. You know, I know things are not in a great state, um, but yes. then anecdotally, at the very least, for a long time, um, uh, uh, there have been a lot of problems, complaints, issues about the way the um, game relates to fans, the way that way, the way club relates to clubs relate to fans, particularly around things like rebranding. I think there are times when um, things happen in rugby league that I see that I think, frankly, are quite outrageous in terms of the way that the images the 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 patrimony people talk about branding it's not it's the patronate patrimony it's the things that make the club what like what it is how some of those things get dealt with without any real any real proper insight from fans i know there are there's a varying degree of involvement of fans in some of these things um but there isn't a proper process in place very often uh and um and it's caused a lot of people to be quite angry now one of the accusations you get and i'm familiar with this because i've been in your position been told that I'm too backward. We're not um, embracing the future. We're not. Uh, we don't understand the difficulties of running a sport and the club and all that sort of stuff. But you get painted as a troublemaker um, because yes. that's, kind of, that's often how activism is seen instead of a desire to to help and to be involved yes. to make help make the thing that you love in this case your rugby league club and the sport help make it better. Um, yes, and just to be heard is an important part. Um, that's not a bad summation of, of of you and some of your 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 colleagues, is it? But it's not fair that you're seen in this troublemaking kind of um, position, is it? Really, let's be honest, because you're you've no. you've got a reason to be a bit upset because obviously you're a Bradford Bulls fan and things have been <laughs> tough for you for a long, long time. Tell us a little bit about you, how it's been and what your journey's been like in the last sort of ten, fifteen years. Absolutely. So Bradford Bulls. 
So I, I started off as a Bradford Northern fan. Uh, so we were a we're, a we're a club that has had great success historically, but has always had um, financial difficulties, had issues with the with the ground, uh, as as had various times where it looked like it, it might go out of existence. Ninety six and Super League, they were um, the most successful club in terms of changing themselves. Uh, trebled their average attendance, and won won more trophies in that period of time than 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 they had ever done before. But then failed to uh, get the grounds redeveloped in the way that St Helens and uh, Warrington have, for example. A uh, lot of murkiness as to whether that was the the club's fault, whether that was unfortunate and and outside pressures stopping that. And and then we saw a decline on the field and off the field in terms of attendances uh, to the point where the the club was actually on the verge of going bankrupt. And at this stage, it gets very murky, very murky indeed. You have the RFL buying the lease to the ground with no apparent, no stated long-term aim as to how to deal with this big problem of Odsall Stadium that's that's been there for 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 you know beyond living memory. And you have this character, Nigel Woods, who was the CEO of the RFL, um, being directly involved in 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 choosing the the owners of Bradford as they went into administration, as they went into liquidation, and there was a Phoenix Club set up. And then he ends up as being the eventual owner. Uh, and, and chairman. And so this is just staring us in the face. It needs scrutiny. Um, there was a there was a lot of people, even, you know, not just fans, but people like Eamon McManus, the St. Allen's chairman, uh, Martin Sadler, the editor of League Express, said there should be an inquiry. There was a one key meeting of the clubs where Ralph Rimmer said the, the Nigel Woods, form number two, and then successor said there won't be an independent inquiry. There's no need. We've got an independent board, and they said everything we've done regarding the Bulls is fine. That's the end of it. Independent inquiry just damaged the sport, and that was left as the the end of that. So, in from a Bradford point of view, uh, from as a, as a Bradford fan, I think that's unacceptable. I don't think we should be left to just take on trust that Nigel Woods and Ralph Rimmer have the best interests of rugby league and particularly rugby league in Bradford uh, at heart and and there needs to be transparency and, and the scrutiny and from that I suppose I started looking at uh, wider things in the game you know think just unacceptable things like um, Ralph Rimmer bringing back the British Lions concepts and then allowing Regan Grace who's one of our most exciting players and he's actually fully Welsh not a grandparent um, uh, sort of thing but a but an actual genuine Welsh player, which was used to be the lifeblood of, of the Lions, um, the, the contribution from Wales, obviously dropped off since rugby union has gone professional. And he wasn't considered for selection because he was Welsh because he wasn't eligible for England, even though it was a Great Britain team. Now, that scrutiny of the Regan Grace scandal, the Bradford Odsall Nigel Wood scandal, just does doesn't come from the press anymore. It's on the verge of going defunct. The the trade press is absolutely in the pocket of uh, the 
the, the administrators. So who else is going to do it? It's, it's fans like myself and there's plenty more of us out there looking to to try and provide some of this scrutiny that's obviously needed. So, um, I mean, I'm sat here listening to this uh, and um, um, I can I can sort of see, I can see why then um, the people you're criticising, why their backs are up. Yeah. Um, that does, but, but, yeah. but, but, that doesn't mean that the criticism isn't merited. What all I'm saying no. is that's some very harsh criticism, right? And it's yes. not even just, um, you know, look, the sport doesn't listen to me. This is, um, you know, you're, you're telling me a tale from your perspective and it seems fairly evident in some of the problems that have occurred that of, of sort of repeated institutional failure. Now, when it comes yeah. to the sort of fa- to fan engagement, um, <laughs> it, that's that ends up being a bit further down the chain because the problem here is that the, the sport appears to be in some, you know, in, in some degree of chaos, if I can say it from yes. an ex- external perspective. And look, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. I've known you probably for about six months or something. You've, you've certainly helped. You've assisted me in terms yes. of, uh, assisted assist me in respect to the questionnaire that I put out, just yeah. some of the issues that might be worth talking about. I mean, to be honest with you, I came, with, came at it with a very clear objective and and knew the issues in the sport very broadly anyway. I was very aware of quite quite a few of them and obviously supporters direct did work in rugby league. I was I had colleagues who worked in it more than I did and I learned stuff about the game and, and the administration of it, etc. Um so it, I mean it your insight has been incredibly useful, but it's worth pointing out that that the work that I do is based on what I think is important in the sport, not, not based on what one person tells me. Now, of course. One, one additional thing here I'd add in is that, that when it comes to administrating a sport that's in a financial hole um, or that's in, you know, that has genuine difficulties at the moment because uh, of COVID, because of the shrinking of the TV deal, the broadcasting deal, which is, unfortunately in many ways so critical to the sport and critical to its top echelons to its premier competition to the super league you know nothing things don't tend to work as you want them to when things are like but it does appear to me that you're saying to me that many of these problems existed before the crisis of the financial crisis came along genuine crisis the genuine yeah. crisis, you can argue about whether Sky's um, you know, absolutely critical involvement has been healthy. Um, probably not in some ways, but it nonetheless functioned perfectly well for a long time. And then along comes COVID. And that would, that would challenge any sport. But you're saying really that, look, these clubs and the administration have not been, you know, I don't want to. Um, this isn't a sports business podcast, so I don't want to get into. No. It's not. It, it's it's not about governance in as much as it's only in, about governance in as much as that relates to the role of fans. So I don't want to get yes. too deep into that. But these crises have been there for a long time. A lot of the underlying problems you're saying have been there for a long time. When you put these things forward, when you say there is a crisis and it's not being dealt with, there are examples of where there's a clear problem in the mm. organisation of the sport and it's failing. 
more than just its fans, but multiple, most, if not all of its stakeholders are being fa- failed in some way, shape or form. What I've already suggested what the mm. reaction probably is in some quarters, but do you ever get anyone who actually from, from the governing bodies, from the clubs, are there people there? Is it, is the divide that much of a chasm that other people are not saying to you, no, I think there is a problem and we need to do something about it. No, people from clubs particularly, for example, because I have heard about there being clubs who are not happy um, and perhaps just don't have the power because ultimately challenge requires power, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So my understanding is that there's a clear divide um, amongst amongst the the clubs, which is why there was the Super League split, uh, split why um, uh, Robert Elston ended up being brought in as as CEO, and that seemed like a bit of a botched coup against the the faction that contains Nigel Wood, Ralph Rimmer, um, by those unhappy clubs, and and unhappily they don't seem to have done a very good job of it, and now we're drifting back to a situation um, where 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 it looks like. Rimmer's gang um, are, are, are calling the shots as much as anyone is. Um, so, yeah, I think people within the game, uh, what we've seen through through social media, because rugby league people aren't big stars, haven't got people running their their accounts. Generally, if, if it's someone's name on the social media account, it's probably them that, you know, just tweeting away on their phone who's saying it, you are actually getting a bit of insight as to what people within, you know, within the clubs, whether it's League One chairman, even up into championship and 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 Super League, what what they're thinking. And that unhappiness is is there pretty clearly as well. I mean, there's one thing that I should say, uh, you know, in terms of it struck me when you talk about fan engagement, there's a clear pattern that I've seen as a fan. The, starting back in 1999 as a 17-year-old, and it's happened repeatedly. If you are critical of a rugby league club or rugby league in general, you know, how it's been administered on social media, what will often happen? It's happened to me with three particular individuals who are high up, uh, who were high up at Bradford, who, who have since been high up at um, the rugby league, they contact you privately and they ask for a confidential discussion where they talk to you off the record and they basically try and cultivate you as a, you know, we can arm around your shoulder. Look, I can tell you because I know I can trust you to right. keep it quiet. This right. is how it is. Yeah. This is why this problem that you've identified isn't quite as bad as you think or it's outside our control. Right. And I hope in return for my having giving you this, comp- you know, let you in on it, um, you'll basically pipe down. That's right. the, that's the gist. They try, that's what they try and do with critical fans. It's, it's an, ob- and, and I don't know if they all know <laughs> that each other are doing it. Um, but that is their, they, they don't, you know, I, I'd be interested what you thought, thought of that, but it's a very clear pattern. You get the, you know, almost the sort of sliding into your DMs. Can I just have a quick chat? You know, can we speak yeah. on the phone? Yeah. And it's all off the record, yeah. and it's all you know. Obviously, you can't tweet about this. Um, yeah. And I, you know, looking back on it, you know, I think as a seventeen-year-old, I was probably flattered and impressed to be sort of brought into Odsal and told all this stuff that wasn't in the papers. Mm. 
now looking back, I, I think I was duped. And I'm and, and now when it happens, I'll listen to people and I'll talk to people, but I don't feel like I owe them any loyalty um mm. on behalf, you know, just because they've they've told me this off the record stuff. Hi, I'd just like to introduce you to Match Day Digital, the world's first football-first digital magazine platform, bringing together premium paid content from clubs' Match Day programmes, popular football magazines, newspapers and high-quality fan-produced fanzines. What a list. It gives access to a bigger choice of content for fans and for publishers, a far wider audience than would normally be available through their own print editions or digital offerings. You can download the app via Google Store and Apple Store or you can use the native web app. Go to matchdaydigital.com for more. And if you're a club or publisher, drop MDD a line. They're a lovely bunch and I'm sure they'd love a chat with you about your needs. Now, it's an interesting one. It, it, was, a, it was a tactic that I remember um, um, years ago, uh, Sam Amam, who owned Wimbledon Football Club at the time. Yeah. Um, some of my, some of my, some of the people I now know who are friends through through my activism in mm. in, in attempting to save and then re- reforming the football club back in early two thousands, they always said, well, that was how Sam Hamam used to do his business. Is he'd, he'd pick up the phone and say, come in and see me, yes. and then and then and then essentially would say, look, if you say any of this publicly, I'll just deny it. So yeah, um, you know that 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 kind of approach to things is pretty. Uh, I mean, uh, it. It used to be how how those issues were dealt with. It used to be how engagement, such as it was with a small, <laughs> yeah, um, was carried out. I think it's you know there are times um, where in a structured relationship with a club where those things will happen clearly, where mm. you know stuff will be disclosed to the fan organisation or the fan on the board or whatever it is, um, or the fans' parliament. You know that that can't be disclosed publicly because that's just yes. part. Of you know that's part of the relationship that's there, but yeah, I think it's um, you know I won't mince my words. I think those approaches are quite poisonous because um, they identify that what they are is they're, they're they're sort of political management of a very, yeah. very Machiavellian style, and it's about controlling who knows what um, and ensuring that you bring people into your kind of control really, and it's and it tends to be born out of a fear that if more people know this then i've lost control and losing control is a bad thing i think it if this is what's happening and you know let's not talk about any names but you know if this is what's happening then i think those people doing it um have got stuck into a way of doing things which is wrong and i think it's it's damaging and poisonous to behave in that way and i think it's also tends to be a sort of re you know you it's self-reinforcing actually transparency tends to be a much better way to operate because you don't spend all your time twitching and worrying about whether you said something you shouldn't to the wrong person um because in the end if that person hasn't signed a contract you know or hasn't got any legal reason not to say something then you put your risk you're putting yourself at risk anyway Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean it's 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 a very common way that 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 football clubs certainly used to operate and it's sad to hear that it's it's going on in rugby league but look you know looking at the at the at the situation that the sport is in and like you know like i said we're not a, a podcast that talk about we're not a sports business podcast in the tradition no. um but this 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 it, it does it does it look as i mean i don't think it's hopeless because i don't think anything exists that is hopeless i think there's always a way around things yeah there are you know do you see any sort of 
chinks of light? Are there things that make you think, well, maybe there's some hope, maybe, um, you know, maybe if fans, you know, uh, you know, maybe if they organise a bit, if they focus on what they want to try to achieve instead of worrying too much about the day-to-day soap opera and, you know, yes. prize, you know, do you th- is, there, is there some way out of this, do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, so one thing that's always stuffed um, rugby league, fan organisations is that you need, in order to get a critical mass of people, you need people from a wide geographical spread. And so it was sort of famously a case of meeting up in a pub in Saddleworth that that allowed all the people from Yorkshire and Lancashire to, to get together. And now, I think particularly um, after the pandemic where everyone's had a crash course in Zoom, you've got an opportunity to bring larger numbers of people together without them having to take the afternoon off work in order to get to whatever place is decided upon. So I think that's an obvious source of uh, optimism. I think the the excitement of the growth of uh, Tonga um, and potentially Samoa, Fiji as proper challenges to the Australian hegemony means that we could potentially have proper rugby you know competitive rugby league world cups that that grab people's imagination soon um and you know the next one might you you couldn't put your your life savings on australia in the way that you you used to be able to um we've seen young people in you know we've now got decades of grassroots rugby league in london and you have got the potential to dig out another Martin fire. We don't know how good um, KPP is going to end up being, but you know, there's there's hope that he could go on and be a transformational player. That 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 means that kids in London think about rugby league as, right, a, as a way forward. So that's all great. Yeah, yeah. That's all great, right? Um, go on. <laughs> more interest and all that kind of stuff. But if organisations remain in crisis, in a crisis. Then, then none of that will matter. <laughs> well, no, and the, and yeah. it may well happen, and it may well still benefit um, the sport. But if things are in flux and crisis, and the same problems are occurring all the time, then it will never be, you know, no. never be able to make the most of it. So, getting down to, you know, some of the real symptoms, I think, of a game, that's yeah. kind of failing to listen enough um, to, to, to certainly to fans, um, uh, you know, is, do you, do, is there a way that, you know, maybe um, clubs can start to be persuaded? I mean, is it, is this really in the end, as I said, that is fan engagement right at the end of this long chain of thing, things and that, that, you know, because I think in some ways the way you're going to get a change Yes, through fans saying, "Look, whatever's going on at the moment in the game as a whole, we need to start being much more engaged. We we need to start trying to engage much more with our clubs, persuade them that actually the listening thing that you know, and I'm I say I so I'm hoarse every time. The kind of thing that Carl Fitzpatrick does at Warrington can be transposed onto every single club in rugby league. Yeah, kind of listening. Whether you like the approach to the to the sport as entertainment or not, well." That's up to you. That's the way they market it, and it seems to be effective. But the 
listening culture that he's that he's fostered there and that the owners and, yes. and officials have fostered there you know could we start seeing you know do you, do you think there's hope that maybe Cubs will start picking up the phone to people like Carl and saying how do you do it or or does that already happen and and the advice doesn't get adopted properly or is is, is so can we see some hope in some kind of individual cases here could we start seeing a bit of a shift or, or am I asking for too much there no I think I think that if fans find a way of exercising pressure if they find a way of coming together and making themselves hard to ignore um we had you know we had a very rough and ready grassroots rebellion that you know that was born of Ralph Rumer basically after you know another uh, just fiasco with the with shutting down um, three clubs academies. He just disappeared from all media events. All me, you know, didn't do any media for three months. And and once it ticked up to three months, just you know, there was not. A, it wasn't a fan organisation. It was just a collection of fans on social media. Press this and press this. Um, um, got onto uh, the journalists in the game and said, "Why are you not commenting on this?" Why is this not a problem for you that the lead person is just has just disappeared from sight because it's convenient to do that, and and basically dragged him out. And then next thing we knew, oh, he's doing a press conference. So, can fans have an impact on how the game is led, how the game is managed? I'm sure they can. You know, if we can do that with very little organisation in place then that implies that if we've got the organisation in place, then we could have a serious systematic impact yeah. that, that how, you know, engaging with fans mm. would no longer be seen as optional, would no longer be seen as the preserve of, you know, a couple of, full, you know, forward-thinking clubs. It mm. would be seen as just something that a club has to do, whether it likes it or not. Well, let's get to the point where it's not about whether it likes it or not. It does it because it knows it's important. Oh, well, yeah. The, the the I get your part. I mean, but the problem is clearly that they that you're coming from such, you know, a um, you know, it, it's it's hard for you to talk about um anything in this without mentioning names. And the yes. issue the issue does come down, in your view, to there being a problem with leadership. And it seems pretty clear that leadership's a big problem. To yes. Me. Um, but. You know, you're going to have to, at the very start of all of this, it, it, if if um, if the leadership of rugby league wants to genuinely deal with these problems and genuinely get the game on a fit, you know, on 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 its front foot, and you can have a proper discussion about the future, um, you know, without it being a series of kind of, at least ex from external view from me, a series of sort mm. of panic moves. Um, then, um, then, then, then there's going to have to be a dropping of some of the, um, um, you know, some of the the anger towards um, the leadership. I mean, whatever happens, he, you know, Ralph Rimmer, for example, is in charge, um, and yes. you're going to have to deal with that. But also, conversely, he's going to have to deal with you um, and can't can't overlook. Doesn't have to do with you personally, Andrew, but it's gonna no. have to do with you know fans because they are a reality and they aren't just fans of the club, they're fans of the sport, even more so in rugby league. 
because you're all very protective of your sport and it's very noticeable. So it, to get to that point, it's, it's, um, this isn't easy, is it? it I mean, no. It's about as difficult a situation in any club and I've never really dealt with other sports, so I related to clubs, but I've never seen a situation. Well, it's not, I, not never. It's it's rare to see a situation as intracted, as as you know, as 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 intractable appear from from the outside as this. That it looks so embedded, everyone's so embedded in their positions, and that doesn't mean they're all equal. No, people who run the game have much more responsibility for things than you do. You are someone who is a fan. And yes, you don't have the right and ability to make decisions that affect the sport for everyone. So no. the leadership is going to have to move more than you. It's just a fact of what things are like. But it is, it's a tough, this is a tough call, isn't it? I mean, where, you know, uh, do you, are you expecting at some point, are you going to, are you expecting to continue to have to fight? You know, it's a horrible thing to have to do to continue. Yeah. To fight. Are you expecting now to have to fight all the time to get heard and persuade that way? Or do you see any, are there, are there any sort of chinks of light in the leadership? Any people in there who you look at and go, well, maybe there's some hope there? Or is it really that intractable? <laughs> I, I think that what we, if, the issue that, in, so, so removing personalities from it, removing talking about individuals, the issue um, with the governance of, of rugby league is that the clubs tend to be, ruled by the people who come in and 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 put the money in uh, you know and it just tends to be because we're not talking massive sums in in rugby league it tends to be that a wealthy individual can um keep a club afloat for years and decades in terms of the governing bodies then the, you know their defence of the system is that they have an independent board, but then the question is who appoints the independent board, and um, is this a sort of circular process? Um, if there was, you know, hypothetically, if there was a highly incompetent RFL CEO, but they were also in a position to influence whether the people on the independent board remained on that board then how could the independent boards, you know, what would be in it for the independent board to, to step in and, 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 make, and make changes there? So can, you know, uh, to be fair, like it comes back to the, to the issue, at least in football and cricket and rugby union, there is the possibility of a CEO of the sport finding their position to be untenable because the media will write up what has taken place and give sort of sucker to their their um, opponents within the game and and someone feels like well i have to go that media scrutiny has just evaporated mm. in rugby league it just does not exist now and so if fans want that level of scrutiny and want to move to a process where there is a systematic evaluation of the job that the ceo of the rfl or anyone else within the game is doing, then I think we need to um, we need to organise and get to a point where fan voice can't be just disregarded. That's how it seems to me. You know, no, I, I don't. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, uh, that's, a very, that's a very well that's that's very well put, I think. Um, yeah. And 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 it's worth pointing out to people that the notion of independence doesn't mean quality. Uh, it just yes. because you've got something that's independent. Um, it could be hopelessly bad. Um, I'm not I'm yes. not judgment either way, because I don't, to be honest with you, know the governance structure. But no. it's clear to me, pretty clear to me, that if things are as bad as they are. Yeah. Then an independent board is, 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 is either making them worse or not making any difference, in which case, what's it there for? doesn't mean you have yes. to apply it, but it does make you ask questions about whether it's holding people to account and processes to account. And that's really where you're... I mean, it, a lot of this is just strikes me. It's not even about... Um, it, it's just... It's, it seems to be just about... So it's at this very basic level is... But you act as though nothing's going wrong yes and if you just acknowledge that things are a bit more than just a bit choppy but actually we're, yeah. in, a, we're in a serious problem and we all need to work together to 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 bring to bring uh, uh you know to to, to to resolve the problems then yes. you kind of forgive that and go okay well then let's work together but 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 really it seems like the basis of it is is, you, is that there's a, there's barely even an acknowledgement of that it's well there has been a problem but we solved that that's fine we'll, we'll move yeah. on now yeah, no, that's, I mean, unfortunately, you know, I think it's happened in a lot of areas that the pandemic's provided a lot of cover, uh, a lot of breathing space, a lot of opportunity to hand wave away um, big problems that have, that have emerged that aren't, you know, might have been ex exacerbated by COVID, but aren't just there, you know, that, that pre-existed. So, you know, to my sense of responsibility here is that I... You know, I'm a rugby league fan. I've drawn great um, pleasure in, in, in my life from being a rugby league fan. I want my kids to be able to be rugby league fans and their kids and their kids going forward. And then you see something that took a long time to build, the Challenge Cup final, which is an, an institution and has, you know, there's something sacred about it. Yes. About, um, about you know, there's a sense of pilgrimage that goes with it. It is a... Is a real meaningful thing, and it is. It has been allowed to go from being a sellout event to one that 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 barely half fills the stadium. And like you say, the rather than the the people who are the custodians, who are the stewards, saying, "Right, we need to rectify this. We need to we need to take urgent action to to do to do something about this their focus seems to be on explaining it away and just surviving the the criticism that comes that week yeah. uh, and, and then we go on and, and we get a smaller crowd the next year and yeah. and it's clear that it's easier to maintain crowds at the challenge cup final to 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 preserve it than it is to um have to build it back up so there is a there's a time pressure there too and there's also you look across to to club rugby union, which is not the behemoth that the the Six Nations, the international rugby union, is. You know those clubs, clubs like Harlequins, uh, used to sort of play on a roped off pitch with with very small crowds. Um, they are able to fill a ground, you know, similar and similar to Wembley for just regular league matches using using their marketing. So. What I see is a clear problem. I see that there are solutions. 
I see that those solutions aren't being put into place by the people who are employed to put them into place. And I, you know, I, I feel a responsibility to, to send up the dis, distress flares and say, if we don't act, we will lose something that, you know, that, that is really meaningful, that is, you know, that, that, that we should be passing on. We've got a duty to pass on to the next generation that we, we inherited from our um, parents and grandparents and great grandparents and, and, and should be preserving um, on into the future. Okay, so I'm going to, I mean, it's very impassioned and I think very important to put on record, you know, and that it's all, you know, I don't want to be so fatuous about it, but this comes from a very good place. It comes from the right yeah. place, in my opinion. Um, so I'm just going to very quickly explain a couple of things and then I'm going to give you the last word. Sure. Just, just because I know there are lots, we had a, I had a tremendous response from um, the survey of somewhere between four, four, four and 600 something like more than half of the people who, around half or more than half of the people who responded to the, the Rugby League survey that we put yeah. out, uh, have said that they'd like to be involved in what comes along next. It's been a bit of a delay, um, uh, but um, it's worth just saying now, because hopefully lots of Rugby League fans will listen to this. Um, uh, I am in the process of putting together the next steps for this. The aim is to try to have um, more focused discussions about it. Hopefully some in-person discussions. It obviously depends on the way COVID's going, to be quite honest with you, because I'm not exposing myself or anyone else to unnecessary risk. No. It won't be possible by the time that happens. But I want to start getting this discussion, really getting into some of the, the meat of the issues. And, um, and I'm going to uh, be in touch with people very soon about how that's going to happen. But Andrew, what is, you know, what are you planning or what are you what's your thinking about things are there other people other than obviously there are other people but are, are there other people that you're talking to about how you can create this more con, you know this constructive voice that kind of needs to operate yes. in of itself and and try to be a I always used to advise fan organizations if they were trying to deal with a crisis don't mirror the crisis in the club get yourself locked away and think about this issue on its own without going how are we constantly how are we going to respond to this crisis today and that crisis yeah. get yourself sorted out work out what it is you are and what you want to say and how you want to represent your members and your followers and whatever it is and then go in with confidence rather than constantly being worried about what's coming down the road next from them so are you being proactive are there other people here that are, that, that are, that are, are, are very supportive of you and want to be formally involved in yes yeah in short yes I think there are well I know that there are a number of, uh, of, of people, younger um, people who are looking at how, you know, the state of rugby league and are wanting to, to move things in the right direction. You've got some, you know, <laughs> not so young people who've been through this process before, but still have that, that desire to, to improve things. You've got, you know, the, the women's game is, is, is exploding in terms of popularity. And I think that brings, People with, uh, you know, a, a fresh perspective, uh, you know, they they see how good things can be on the women's front, and they're, they're asking why uh, are things on the in the, the long-standing males game is, is is retracting at the same time. So there's tons of cause for 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 optimism. There's tons of people who really care about rugby league and. And within that, you've got a lot of people uh, in, in, bringing all sorts of talents and 
interests and connections. And so, you know, it's early days, but I'm pretty confident that there can be a fan organisation coming together, coalescing and having a big positive impact. And, you know, who knows, maybe it'll be enough to, to change mm. the trajectory. Maybe it won't. But the least we could be able to say is we had a go and we didn't didn't just uh, let the waters close over our head without a fight. That's good. Excellent stuff. I'm pleased to hear it because I think organised fan, you know, organised fandom is important in every sport, certainly yes. in one clearly in something of a crisis as rugby league is. Can you just tell people how they can get a hold of you if they want to? Is there a, is there a way of? Yeah, the easiest way. I'm on Twitter. Andrew Foster one zero one. Um, it's probably the easiest way of getting hold of me. I'm always happy to be contacted, have a chat in the DMs and what have you. Um, and and yes, you know, it's um, yeah, I'm, the, the main thing, you know, I think everyone just wants to enjoy rugby league. You know, if you look at my Twitter account, yeah, there's there's quite a bit on criticism of, of how things are going. But the bulk of it is actually just, you know, reminiscing about old old games and clips and and picking out sort of great shirts and designs and all all the stuff that that we love that makes you know the reason that we are fans of rugby league or or any sport so so yeah so i think it's keeping that that in mind you know the two things we want rugby league to survive and thrive uh, and we also want to enjoy it while we're uh, while we're going along with it too you enjoyed that edition of the fan engagement pod why not dip into our extensive back catalogue featuring interviews with scott mcleod from everton paul barber from brighton and hove albion the head of professional game relations at the fa andy ambler episodes on policing support liaison fan driven marketing social media and dialogue perspectives on fan engagement from carl fitzpatrick from warrington walls liam scully from lincoln city owners chief executives governing bodies we talk about public relations communications and marketing international perspectives we speak with politicians and more and we've also got baz chat our insight into the commercial side of fan engagement with baz schnater and did they ask the fans with tim crow search fan engagement pod and tune in on your favorite podcast app i'll make sure i put my teeth in for the next episode and please do like subscribe and share it does help our visibility in a crowded podcast world
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> come on, Rock, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What yeah. the bongo job? What the bongo job? Come on, Rock. Come on, Rock. Everybody, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.